people, and our students, right? Isn't it great to have a legacy of those coming up? <clears throat> that are up there doing that. What a great thing as you, the future is now, isn't it? And uh, watching some of those young people being able to come up and sing, some of them since they were just wee little things in front, twirling hair and spinning around down here, and now leading like uh, Emmy and others up here. It's just exciting to see that. What a great, great thing. I said to the first service, I'm going to say the same thing to you. So many have wondered what it's going to be like when we breathe heavenly air for the first time, right? The first time. And to look out and see a cloud of family, friends, and witnesses, it's how I feel today looking at you. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. So good to see you. So good to see you. We miss you. We miss you. We have a little one-member church with my mother in Tallahassee and have a lot of uh, Bible studies most, most every day looking at God's Word, and I enjoy it. I even take an offering. Which... <laughs> if you're joining with our simulcast, thank you today. It's a special day for me personally. You may be joining for the first time, but having served here 21 and a half years, today is a momentous day for me personally. So we have the installation of a new wonderful pastor and friend in Dr. Rodney Navy. So I'm excited here to preach this three-hour message that we have. <laughs> and so good to see some friends that have come even from different places down the road in Gibsonville and from other places in Kernersville. I've got to see. Thank you for being here today. It's so, it truly is. It's a humbling experience to look out here. These are some of the dearest, sweetest people in the world. I know you know that. And I'm so glad you served here nine years to get to know so many of these dear people that give sacrificially their time, their resources, and their heart. And who else would God call to do such a thing? Today we look at a passage that um, is really the kickoff passage for today. But I just want to let you know, as many of you have prayed for my mother and for our uh, time in Florida. She's doing well, and she always says, thank your church, thank your congregation for their prayers. So, mom, I'm telling them the message you gave me. Thank you for praying for her. We're down there, and God's just using us to just to be everything we need to be, everything that the Word of God says, to honor your mother and father. We're seeking to do that, and we are truly blessed to do that. I've said it before I'll say it again, not a demotion, but a horizontal move, a lateral move, just to follow God's will, to do what is right, as the Adams are doing, as Terry and Christina go to minister to Christina's mom, your mom by marriage, Terry, after a certain time period, no longer mother-in-law. That's your mom by marriage. Dr. Rodney and Donna, with Donna's mama coming up to live with you up here, Thank you for modeling that, and so many of you that have modeled that, taking someone to your home or going to live with an elderly parent that needs some support and some help. As God, isn't God smart, isn't he? As God would have it. So we are truly blessed to do it in that capacity of life. So thank you, church. Uh, I can't thank you enough 
your support and your prayers. So good to see you out there. Oh, wow, this is good. I love it. All right. Our passage today has to do with a noble task. And the Word of God says that there's something noble about it. And Rodney, it says that here's a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. You're installed to perform a noble task. It is why God has called you. There are many that are throughout our world that have finished and gotten degrees in theology. Many search committees, many... Mark, good to see you. God bless you, my friend. I told you people coming from all over the place. Our new state senator, uh, federal senator, state, right? Coming up. No, he's going to be the senator. <laughs> senator, right? You're right? We aim high, right? Absolutely. Amen. There's a noble task. And you find out in a noble task you're called by a king, a king of kings and lord of lords. And it is a trustworthy So If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Why would anybody do that? It's hard enough sometimes to get a small family to agree on everything, isn't it? Where are we going to go? How many of you have walked around Disney World or some other place like that and said, where do you want to eat? Huh? You feel like an amoeba going in 40 different directions, don't you? I want da-da-da-da-da, all of that. But God calls you a noble task, and when you have people who are also under the nobility of a king, they follow. And sir, today, God calls you to be a shepherd, not a rancher. There are lots of ranchers out there, people that say, read this book, do this formula, and you'll be successful. Get all the exposure you can. God says to be a shepherd. He says not just to be out there as with a title, but a shepherd knows his sheep and his sheep know the shepherd. The word of God says in Jeremiah 3.15, Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and with understanding. Knowledge and understanding. I've known Rodney for a long time now. Interviewed him years ago before there was a position of married adults. Our personnel graciously heard my request to have a married adult pastor and getting so many different resumes and speaking to so many different people, some that had served in that position, similar to what we were looking at. Rodney was serving as a senior pastor, but felt the call to family, to marriage. And meeting with him, I already knew something about him that tells me everything there is to know about a person. He has a humble heart after God. And I saw that heart. He leads with knowledge and with understanding to take the helm of a large congregation. There's a lot that happens behind the scenes. Preaching is like an iceberg. You see 10% above the water. The other 90% has passed it. No, it's below the surface. It's dealing with issues of salaries, people, personalities, temperaments, color of paint, what different people are emailing in that may or may not like what your church is doing. All the different things that come of that are part of that. It's a noble task. And it's great that it is. It's not a human task. Because no human is up to it. No human can perform that and keep everybody 
happy, right? We just want to be happy. Listen, friend, let me ask you a question. Whether you're listening on the simulcast or you're here, do you even keep yourself happy all the time? <laughs> huh? As human beings outside of God's work in our life, we're pretty pathetic, aren't we? But with God's work in our life, we don't have to always be happy. We have to do what's right. And you see, there's a satisfaction in doing what is right. And I know this man as a pastor will do what is right. Even if it costs him something, and oftentimes it does. I had an intern years ago, an intern, when I was a field supervisor at Southwestern Seminary, had been with, with the ministries I was supervising for around a month or so. As he sat across my desk one day as we're doing a review, he said toward the close of that review, he said, Pastor, do you think I have what it takes to pastor a large church? Within one millimeter, the speed of lightning, I just said no and just looked at his face. His countenance fell, as the word of God says. I said, no. I said, I know you're puzzled. I said, you asked the wrong question. You asked a question that, that really inferred ego and power and position. You didn't say, do I have a heart of a pastor? You said, do I have what it takes to pastor a large church? I want to be somebody. Church, listen carefully. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior and died on the cross and paid for your sin and rose again, you already are somebody, okay? You'll never have any higher promotion in your life than being in God's will after you've made the decision to invite him into your life. You already are somebody. And if you're looking for this position to have power and prestige, first of all, you shouldn't have it anyway. But I know this man, and I know upon my conversations with him, he would not even send in something, a resume, until he prayed through that. Wasn't jumping as some were that were, as my phone would ring multiple, multiple times with people telling me how they should be the pastor here and how worthy they were, right? And I just, I should have put a little recording on there. If your colleague tell me how worthy you are, please hang up right now. <laughs> Dial some government number and be on a two-hour tutorial or something. I don't know. And we can need to take care of some of those things. <laughs> but it's amazing. If someone's already telling you, now I want to hear some confidence in, in a person's heart, but confidence in the Lord. Rodney has that. And he's not only a dear pastor, he's my friend. But I would say I have lots of friends that are here, and lots of pastor friends. But it's not a matter of that. It's not a matter of academics. There's many people, as I said, academically qualified, but who is called to that position? There's a vast difference in that between calling and an academician that may have a lot of knowledge about something, but not the heart of a pastor and God's calling to be there. So it is a noble task because it is God himself that calls you to that. It says, after my own heart, who will lead with knowledge, which I've seen and watched over those years in your life as you've taught and ministered to our people, and with understanding. You see, knowledge without understanding throws it out and lords it over you. But knowledge with understanding will listen to you whether it's a marital issue, 
something relating to children, grandparents, the series of life that we all go through, knowledge and understanding. And you prove that to me. That's why I'm blessed, because I love these people so much that I know you will love them, that you're not going to be a rancher, because you already are a shepherd. What a blessing that is to see and to be able to say with confidence. And so today, you're installed to perform a noble task because the king of kings has called you to such a time as this. Secondly, not only installed to perform a noble task, you are installed to defend the faith. We're living in a day and time, and all these people know their eyes are not closed to this, that the principles, the precepts found in the word of God are under attack. The values that you and I hold dearly from the word of God are under attack. Now listen, we respect people that have different worldviews than we have. There are many people who don't believe that we can do that and still live in peace and harmony with them. We just simply have the love for them to tell them the truth if they're making a life decision that's not the best life decision, biblically. Because we live in a free country where the word of God gives us the imperative to share the truth. There's a noble task of defending the faith. And more than ever before in this country, it's always been through history, and we're going to look at some passages, there's been a shift in a lot of thought about what we can say and what we can't say, what we believe and what we shouldn't believe. The word of God is clear about it. It says in 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. What are things taught by demons? Have you ever thought about it? What are those things? They're things that are antithetical to the word of God. It can be the littlest thing or the biggest thing. We've seen a variety of things over the years that are absolutely against what the word of God has said regarding marriage, regarding gender, regarding conservative values, regarding who we are as people, regarding Scripture and the Word of God. Now, listen carefully. The Word of God says in 1 Peter three fifteen and 16, but sanctify the Lord God your heart and be ready always to give an answer to everyone that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you, but do it with meekness and fear so that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. God wants us to have an answer, but he doesn't say to do it arrogantly. He says, do it with meekness and fear. I've watched this pastor do that with meekness and with fear. Bring up that next part, if you would. We look at standing at the noble task of standing as a cultural heretic. Defending the faith is significant because, pastor, a fish isn't free when it's out of water. It'll flop around for a while. It doesn't instantly die. Many, you don't have to have caught fish to understand it. You can watch them flip, flip it around in your boat if you've caught fish or on the shore. And they, you know, they're not free because they're out of water. They're out of what gives them life. And as society has broken away, pastor, from the word of God, looking for freedom. We want to be free. Give us what we want. Let us do our own thing. They think it will give them life, but it won't. It's the opposite. It takes away life. 
They draw from the source of life. They draw away from it and no longer have life. A fish dies when it's out of water. And people die spiritually when they're not connected to the word of God. So you will stand, sir, as a cultural heretic. You're called to defend the faith, but you're called to stand as a cultural heretic. And it's not a new thing, church. Listen carefully. All through the word of God, you see that people who have put their faith and trust in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have assumed the role of cultural heretic. Here's just one example out of many biblical examples. Look at this from the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. So the administrator and the satraps went out as a group to the king and said, O king Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. So you better be culturally relevant, sir. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. It's ironclad. The law says this, you've got to do it or you're going to be dead or imprisoned. Thank God we've passed that. Hmm? Huh? You see, what you learn about humanity when you read the Word of God, I love it because it tells the truth about humanity. There are always people that in the name, well, in the name of diversity, want to do some crazy, crazy things, don't they? Look at Acts chapter 12. Not only the Old Testament. You could look at multiple examples in the Word of God of cultural heretics. It says in Acts 12, 1, it was about this time that King Herod, this is King Herod Agrippa III, arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them because he found that it was culturally relevant. A whole lot of people said, yes, those people think the wrong things. We want them off the earth. Well, what are they doing? They're kind to people. They give food. They take care of widows. They've got some issues, but they try and work with that. They love one another, and they're peace-loving. Yeah, but they don't think like the, the culturally like we do. So what happens? What happens is what the next slide shows. The 21st century thought police demand uniformity under the banner of diversity. So if you're not lined up with that, well, ironically, how ironic is it, ladies and gentlemen, under the banner of diversity, we demand uniformity. Here's what you must think. Here's what you must believe. Because if you don't, put whatever title you want on it. I am so tired of any prefix you have before the word phobia or phobic. But I've answered some people and said, yes, I have some phobias. I do. I fear what can happen to society with some of the things that are taking place in society. To the people themselves that practice these things and to society in general. Yes, I have some fears. They're godly fears. They're good fears. But yes, I do. But that's why I love it, this church, as people particularly the last couple of years, have come to see me and ask me certain questions about society and culture, 
I said, you can listen to any sermon I've ever preached from the day I was here back in the late 90s until now. And the church affirms it. We believe in one race, the human race that God created. Amen? That's right. We don't divide over pigment of skin from tan to brown or whatever you want to have or where you're from because the word of God says under God's word and his rule, he died for the entire world. And we started as a couple of people went on from there and here we are. Didn't God have a sense of humor? You see, that who caused division? Satan is so crafty. Would you think that a being in the midst of all the glory of heaven could cause a division? Beings that saw God were in the presence of God. He is so crafty, he caused a division there. And Pastor Rodney, they will look to cause a division here too. They will look for it. Well, don't you really want to believe this? Don't you want to go in that direction? Doesn't this seem more culturally relevant? But I already know you. That bounces off you like Teflon. Did blink? Not going to stick. That's not going to stick. It's amazing, isn't it? Pray for your pastor. It's the lightning rod of this, the lightning rodney of this place. <laughs> it's just there. It's the kind of thing where people in the community, and I'm sure you haven't gotten some of the emails yet, but I, I've left, I've told some of the people who used to email that I've given them a wrong address for you. It's to a, it's to a unity church that believes anything, and they're going to send it there. No, just kidding. Um, you have to make sure that you keep yourself grounded in God's word. But the way to test that is to see what you've already been tested in it. I've seen and watched people that know you and love you and have seen you as a friend or from a distance know you care about standing when it calls for that as a cultural heretic. But let me say this to you, every member here, if you believe God's word as it is taught from Genesis to genuine leather, then you are a cultural heretic also. Understand that. This is not just there, but he is the lead person here that will be speaking for you in many cases and speaking for the beliefs of this church. Would you call anyone else that wouldn't want to be a cultural heretic? I'm not talking for the purpose of just doing it to do it. I'm talking about sinning against things that are totally against God. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and my words, I'll be ashamed of you before the angels in heaven. That's what Jesus said. Does Jesus care about his word being slandered? His of course he does. Thank you that you stand by that, that you believe in that, and you go forward with that. The Bible tells us very clearly that even in the New Testament, they were ready to go through and weed out the cultural heretics of that day and time that were causing trouble by what? Simply sharing the best news in the world. Isn't it amazing? They don't hate us, church. They hate Jesus. It's not us, it's him. You see, remember, Rodney, the word of God tells you that the Lord Jesus Christ will walk with you even in the furnaces of unbiblical opposition, period. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, three men, Meshach, Shadrach, and Tibet we go, right? That's an honor of Bubba. He told me to say it. I didn't say it. They said, we... King, we believe God can save us from that furnace. We believe he can save us. But if he doesn't, we're still going into the furnace. 
Dr. Navy is a man that I know stands by the word of God, and he will go in the furnaces, and he believes this, that God will go with him into the furnaces of life, and you have to be that tenacious for it. There's no ambiguity when it comes to the word of God. There is no such thing as almost pregnant. You're either in the word of God or not in the word of God. You believe the whole thing or you don't. And this man will stand with that and go forward with that, and I charge you, never leave that. Always stay with that. That is your strength. It is your refuge. It's what God has called you to be. You're called to a noble task. You're called to defend the faith. Where many in the latter times will seek to put forth doctrines of demons that tell us things about gender, about marriage, about morality. They're sincere with it. They believe it's true, but it's their religion. And won't allow people anymore to think freely and have a differing opinion. There's no one in this room that's seeking to hurt someone because they differ in opinion. In fact, we love them. And Jesus said, love your enemies. Of course, we love people that want to come and we visit our church or not even come, but just care about them because they're people. Because God gave them value. He created them. And you see, we believe and we know that we can have a differing opinion, a differing view, and still love people. They won't accept it because we've become in our day and time cultural heretics. And sir, God calls you to stand as the leader of this place as a cultural heretic. Defend the faith, stand as a cultural heretic, and also protect the unity of this place. As I said a moment ago, the devil is so crafty that in the glory of heaven, in the presence of God, with beings who were called to worship God, he led a rebellion. Because he is the king of spreading lies, of making disunity. And he will take anyone in this room or in the service before that and the service coming later, anyone out there listening, he would love to use you to spread division in the body of Christ. You see, the world doesn't have that kind of unity. They have to enforce it by law. You either do this or you're going to jail. So many people are forced to keep their mouth shut or ashamed to keep their mouth shut. They're shamed into it. But as believers, we speak the truth in love. We're wise as serpents, harmless as doves. But the bottom line is, when you're protecting the unity of the body, it can come through the subtlety of a prayer, spreading gossip, or there may be decisions that take place in the future that may not be exactly like they were at some other time. Listen carefully. There's an office in this church, and it's where Dr. Rodney will sit, that feels the weightiness of leadership. And many in this room lead in different positions in our community, whether it's putting down a road or whether it's leading in a company or wherever it is, and the church is another situation where you have lots of things with full knowledge that you make your best decision for the whole body. And sometimes that may not please everyone, will it? Only Terry has a job where every song he selects, everyone loves. You're the only one that has that. And, and, so, and so large is your crown, sir. God bless you. But that's, that's all part of it. It's part of it. So what do you do? You pray for them. Some things don't make a hill of a beans of difference. It doesn't matter. Go forward. 
you can, as I said before, you can walk through a, a, an amusement park and not even have the right decision on something. Or you can say, I'm by myself, I'm going to make the right decision. I'm going to order that. That looks different. That looks great. Why did I order that? That's gross. I hate that. We don't even make the right decision for ourselves. So God said, have some grace. Understand that sometimes you don't have all the knowledge there is to a situation. And someone trying to sit behind a desk is looking to protect the unity, even if it cost him something. That's a shepherd. You see, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Ranchers don't. They hire somebody out there. They're out there sleeping. Shepherds do that. God bless you because that's your heart, and I know that. You're called to defend the faith, stand as a cultural heretic. You're called to protect the unity of the body. The Word of God says in Proverbs chapter 6, there's six things that God hates, seven that are what? Who knows the word? Detestable to him. Detestable. Find me another passage of the Word of God with such specificity that tells us what God thinks is detestable. And I'll show you the last one on those sheets, the last two in that passage. Proverbs 6, 19 and 20. A false witness who pours out lies and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Someone that stirs up dissension among the brothers. Did you see what Pastor Rodney preached on today? Did you see what they're doing to the carpet? Whatever. The devil will use it and he doesn't care what it is. Long as he can divide. You know what's pleased me so much today? You see all of you showing up today, supporting the pastor God has called to this place. You see, before a committee came to place, before there was a decision for that, God had a wonderful plan. Now, I had to question it because I thought, God, your first mistake was calling. In all of history, you called him away for four years. What happened? I talked to him when he said, I've had a church calling me. And I thought, well, God... Surely, that can't be you. But it was God. It was a great time where God used you as a pastor among pastors, to pastor pastors, and to work in a setting that's a large setting, to get a lot of understanding from another whole scope of life that I've seen enrich you and empower you to bring you to such a time as this. Because the unity of the body is so important. And it starts with staff, it starts with people, and spreads throughout this place. See, the devil wants there to be disunity. So-and-so is not like so-and-so. Listen, every single person here has unique abilities and gifts. Where do those, where do those unique ability and gifts come from? Evolution or God? God. So, why would we think that God's going to make everyone the same. They're from God. We give God the glory for that. There's unique personalities, unique temperaments, unique ways to do things. God gets things done in so many ways, we can't even begin to figure them out. I don't know why there's so many varieties of fish. I don't know why they discover things on the bottom of the ocean that are new discoveries in the year 2021. God can get things done in so many ways. It doesn't have to be done the same way. The traditionalist says it has to be done the same way. God doesn't have much use for traditionalists. They're Pharisees and Sadducees. Tradition says defend the tradition of the faith, but there's ways, lots of ways to do it. Look, God's got it done all these years, hadn't he? 
And the best interest of this church is the best interest in his heart. And I'm blessed to be able to say that with absolute certainty. A new command, Jesus said, a new command I give you because, you see, the unity of the church body is preserved through love for one another. You can do whatever you want with every glitzy, edgy thing, the most techno thing, and there's nothing wrong with those things. Use them, use technology for the good. It's just a tool. It's not inherently evil. It's not inherently good. It's a tool. Use it for the good. But I say this to you. The unity of the church is preserved through love for one another. And the reason I know that is because Jesus gives the secret formula. What is it, Jesus, in in John 13, 34, and 35? A new command I give you. By the way, it was, did the Bible ever say to not love one another? It always said to do that. But listen to the new command. A new command I give you, love one another. Then here comes the new part. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this and some of your great edgy techno devices, men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Listen, when I walked into my first Bible-believing church, I wasn't so much about people were dressing the way I did or talked the way I did, thank God. They loved one another. Secret formula Jesus gave. You may not respect something another person may make or their decision, but God says, I'm giving you a command to love one another. Love is a volitional act. Love, God says, command. Love, look, if you want to make a higher standard than God, where Christ took our sins of the cross, past, present, and future, and died for all of them, and make your standard higher than God, go ahead. But it's the very definition of a hypocrite. God says, love one another. I assure you, over 21 and a half years, I've seen love among these people, particularly exhibited when a time when we couldn't even meet and class after class and person after person would come to that office and have something to give to a family in need or to be able to take someone where they needed to go or help in so many ways, people's rent, and just so many different ways. It just touched me to see how the church works. That's this body. That's this body of believers because it's Christ. See, the world doesn't have that. They have to legislate law. We have a law written in our hearts. It's the law of love. And you see, the law will tell you go this far. Only go this far. If you're doing over, if it's a 35 mile an hour speed limit, if you're doing 45, you're probably going to see some lights. Doing 85, you're probably going to see some bars. Right? (laughs) And I don't mean this kind. But... See, there's no limit on love. What will you do for love? I've seen people that couldn't afford to give pull-up to the driveway and bring in five bags of groceries. You see them out there helping them, and I know they're on limited income because they love Jesus. That's why. Never lose that. There's no part of the magic of the church. Yes, there's, you want to have leaders that embody that and believe in that, but you have to model that and ask, continue to do what God's already called you to do and what you have been doing. It's all in place for that. They do that. And fifth, where God's called you to a noble task, to defend the faith, to stand as a cultural heretic, to protect the unity of his church. You're called to the noble task of finishing well, where so many don't finish well, where after five years, after 
seminary graduation, almost 80% of seminary graduates are no longer serving in a church. Why is that? If you survey many of them, and I did some of that in my doctoral experience, or here's some of the information that comes back, they blame it on you. My, ch- my people, my church, and my this and my that. And sometimes, let me say this, sometimes sheep can use your feet and legs for a restroom. Okay? There are some that would seek to do that. Good shepherd shakes that off and keeps on going. I want to say this to you regarding what I'm talking about right here. When you want to blame the congregation as a leader, it's a self-indictment. Churches want to follow people that model Christ, look like Christ, and love them. It's not complicated. Am I right, church? This is not complicated. People that love God's word, love unity, love to be a blesser and encourager, stand on the word of God. You see, that's how you finish well. You never lose the formula for what God has already said to do. Word of God is clear in Acts 20, 24. It says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task Jesus has given to me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That's the task given to you. And God simplifies it. What is the task? Testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And that's what you do. And the teaching, the lifestyle, people will see it, they'll know it. And they'll understand that there's someone that seeks to finish the job well. I, before I even arrived at Lawndale Baptist Church back in the late 90s, I got two phone calls from folks that knew I would be coming and ask me how long I intend to stay. <laughs> it's true. And multiple times after that. That's never good when someone asks, how long do you intend to stay? Right? <laughs> do you intend? I said, well, I gave the same answer every time over these past two decades. Until God releases me. Because I didn't call myself. Because like you, sir, I don't count myself worthy of it. I don't fool myself to think you could have even 50 people that you could please all the time and do every decision everyone's going to like you and respect you for. I would pray that would be the case, but I don't fool myself. Because even Solomon and all of his glory and wisdom had to come to some decisions. He just went to God to get that wisdom. That's what he asked God for when God said, I'll give you anything. He said... I want to have wisdom. God said, because you did that, I'll bless you with even more. You've been blessed with more than that, haven't you? Right? God's blessed you. He has. How long will you stay? You don't have to ask him anymore. Will you stay until God releases you? You don't have to ask. See? Or say, how much did he intend? That's because it's a calling of God. You don't call yourself. You don't invite yourself. It's a calling of God. Of God, And before this committee did that or this church voted on that, if someone's called by God, God is able to put that in their heart to continue to pursue it. Not arrogantly, but with the truth and from their heart and just go forward. And God brought us to such a time as this, where you have proven yourself on the anvil of service, of love, of care, of experience, of education. What a blessing it is that I can be with my mother 
in Florida, knowing this place is in such good hands, because I know you and your dear wife love these people. I said it in the first service about Don. I'll say it again. She is like a bottle of sparkling Christian champagne. <laughs> right? She, but she, and, and, and she loves you. She loves you. Now, it's not a twofer. You call a pastor, but it's always a blessing. And I had that blessing of having a wife that cares and loves this body like family. And you have by your side someone that cares and loves this body, this family, and will bless them. And it doesn't hurt that we have two doctors for the price of one, right? How many house calls can you get two doctors in your house, right? For the price of one. She finished her doctorate up in women's ministry, and I know you're going to bring so much to that. So church, we are so blessed in so many ways because God has worked. And I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're here to support what God has done. I'm glad you're here because you stand on the Word of God and the right principles, and your pastor stands on those too. These are difficult times. They're times of treacherous waters that take the proper steering and wisdom and understanding to steer through them. I don't know what lies ahead. I just know this. We follow Christ's will today. We listen to his word today. We obey him today as we're led by God's person that he is called. And we let God take care of the rest. That's what we do. And he can save you even in the midst of the fire. So no matter what the circumstances look like out there, don't you stop praying. Don't you stop going back and fighting away from uh, being a cultural, biblical witness. Be it. Stand there. Stand there with him. You call someone who has your values. You call someone who has your beliefs. Continue to stand by him. God will continue to bless this place. I'm blessed to be here today. And I'm blessed for the nine years we served together and haven't gotten to know you and unequivocally 100% support that God's done in your life and the calling to this place. What a great day it is. I know the search committee has some things they would like to say and we're just about a minute before they need to get up here. So we're going to let them begin to come up right now. Those that have served on the search committee, you can begin to make your way here right now. Thank you. And our chairman of deacons will also be coming up. That's the Tater Man, isn't it? He's got it. That's right, David Tate. Got it. Make your way up. As they're doing that, let's have a hand for our search committee. They have worked, looked, studied. The uh, compensation package monetarily could fit in a thimble. <laughs> But we'll the compensation—that's right. But the compensation package for what God has used this committee for is a blessing. Please go right ahead. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Wasn't it a blessing to have Dr. Joe back home with us? Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm Scott Flagel, and this is the Pastor Search Committee. Uh, we just want to welcome all the members and the visitors this morning. And we want to thank you for joining in the celebration of this installation service of our new senior pastor, Rodney Navy. Thank you. 
Good morning also. My name's Dave Clemens, and it's been an honor and a privilege and very spiritual being with this group of people. I can honestly tell you the, um, the prayer time that we put in and just the love that we had, some of those meetings that we had, it was unreal. So I want to thank you for praying for us. Dr. Joe, I want to thank you for the message that you've shared with us today. What a challenge to us. And in a little while, congregation will all be challenged again. You'll be asked to respond to some big challenges to pray for our new pastor. Rodney and Donna, it's a privilege to have you here today. And I believe you have some family with you. Those are with Rodney and Donna. Would you stand up so we could recognize you, please? It's great to have y'all with us. At, at this time, I want to ask PJ, Dr. Rodney, and Donna, if you would come up to the platform. And I'd like to recognize Bonnie Barger at this time. Well, they asked me to speak about the unity we had in this group. And I have to tell you, God put together a group of people that only he could do. When I started, I didn't know half of them. And the unity of spirit we had was just incredible from the very beginning. As you can see, there's young and there's old and there's women and men. And from the very beginning, we had a likeness of mind that you just can't even imagine what God has done. And I've told several people that when other than my salvation experience, this has been the most spiritual thing I have ever done in my life. And I'm thinking a lot of Pastor Kerr search committees might not be able to say that, but <laughs> it really was. And from the very beginning, I wish all of you could have been a fly on the wall with us. That day that we spent with Rodney back in January, it was just incredible. And we asked him some tough questions. We weren't easy on him. And the more he talked, the more excited we got. And by the time he left to go back to Charlotte, we were just giddy. I mean, I wasn't just wanted to jump up and down like a little kid. It's like, this is incredible. <laughs> and those of you that are new, I know there's a lot, probably around 200, I've been told, since they left. I just encourage you to get to know them. And then the ones of you that did know them before, get to know them again. You just will not be able to spend much time with them at all until you just feel the Holy Spirit and the, the love of God coming out of them and just the excitement that they have for, the, for this church. So we ask you as Church Lawndale to join with us in unity and excitement as we wait to see what God's got for the next chapter of Lawndale Baptist Church. Thank you. Yeah. And Maren Ortega and her family, some of her family. Well, Pastor Rodney, on behalf of the children of Lawndale, we would like to present you with these cards and pictures that they made to welcome you as our new senior pastor. We are just thrilled that you're here, and I know that you will be blessed by all of these sweet messages. And now David Tate, the chairman of the deacons, is going to come up. Thank you, Dave. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Rodney, would you come join me? Donna, you can come up here with us if you like, or you can stay there with PJ, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. 
got to get this. I got to get this thing just right so I can see it. <laughs> Do you, Doctor Rodney Navy, commit to walk with God and to love Him with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind? With all my heart and before God, yes. Thank you. Congregation, do you, our Lawndale Church family, commit to walk with God and to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? Yes, thank you. Dr. Rodney, do you commit growing as a disciple and to shepherd and growing the church family at Lawndale so that the body may be focused in purpose, unified in heart and mind, and built up in a manner that is pleasing to God. Yes, I do. Thank you. Congregation, do you commit to grow as disciples and love one another, both in word and deed, in order to serve God, promote unity in the body, and strengthen? Demonstrate the grace of love of Christ in the world. I went to school in South Carolina, so I didn't. Le- I didn't learn to read through too good. I was fifteen before I could spell David. So, <laughs> Doctor, serious now. <laughs> Doctor Rodney, do you commit to teach sound doctrine? With all diligence, as you faithfully proclaim the word of God. With fear and trembling and joy, I do. Congregation, do you also commit to pray for our senior pastor and his family and to work with him towards the goal of accomplishing God's will in the church, in the community, and among the nations? God bless. Um, good morning, Dr. Joe. Good to see you, PJ. Good, good to, see, to you. see you. Thank you for your obedience to the call in your life in in, in your ministry. Um, I know that it changed the course of my family's life, and I can't imagine how many more families your life, uh, your ministry touched. Thank you. And looking forward to uh, Dr. Rodney. Um, how many how many lives y'all's ministry will touch as well so Donna we look forward to serving with y'all so um, we'd like to pray for the congregation and for Pastor Rodney let's pray Father You are so good to us, and I just thank you for your just great provision and for your love for us. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be faithful children as we follow the leadership of the shepherd that you have placed in our life. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be faithful in doing the work that we are called to do, which is to study the word, to sit at your feet, to be quiet, and to listen so that you can speak into our lives and we can reach out here in our body as well as in the community to live for you. Father, I pray that you would help us to be diligent in prayer for our shepherd, for Pastor Navy, for his wife Donna, 
Father, the, the burden, the, the yoke that they have is something that we will not know. We cannot understand the weight of what they carry in that leadership position. So I just pray that you'd help us to be faithful to pray for them, that you would encourage them and strengthen them, and that you would keep them on the right path. And Father, lastly, I pray that you would help us to be people of compassion, to bear with each other in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Help us as we have opportunity to do good to all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Help us, Father, to just love one another and to just show the world what it is to be one of your children. And that spills out into our communities so that we can be a witness for you and an encouragement to Pastor Navy and to Donna. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the, the, the leadership that you have provided this church, um, both in the past and as we look to the future. We, we, we're blessed, and we thank you for that. Father, we pray for uh, Pastor Rodney and, and, and Donna, um, that, their, that their marriage will be protected, that their marriage will be strengthened, that um, first and foremost, that they would... Their relationship would reflect the the bond between your son Jesus and the church, Father God. I pray that you would protect uh, Rodney. That when he's feeling weak, that you would strengthen him. Um, I pray the same thing for for Donna. I pray for her ministry that you would supernaturally protect both of them, both at home and at work. Father, I pray that. You strengthen Rodney, that you would um, help him to not succumb to the pressures of political correctness, but that you would strengthen him and allow him to stand on biblical correctness. I pray that if he feels alone, let him know that you are with him. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I think we need to have another hand for this crew, right? You did a great job. Thank you. Thank all of you. Appreciate that. I know that you will find from babies all the way through seniors that this man has been called to a noble task in which God has equipped him and called him. The noble task of defending the faith, the noble task of standing as a cultural heretic, the noble task of being there and protecting the unity of the body, and the noble task of finishing your calling so well. I know you will do that. Church, let me say this to you. I don't know a humbler man than this man. It's a humble heart that God uses, and I thank God that he has called him here for such a time as this. He will stand in his strength and humility are not weakness. They are strength in the Lord Jesus Christ from whence comes the power. So continue to pray for him. Pray for Donna. We're blessed and I am blessed to be here and honored to be here this day, to be for this installation service, of course, and to see you, so many that have served and have given so much to this place. I can't thank you enough. My memories, Dr. Navy, are precious. 
and the lives that God has used and touched, these people that have sacrificed and touched and invested, I know you will experience that and love that along with Donna. You're in for the absolute wonderful treat of life. Doesn't mean doing the right thing is easy, but it means doing the right thing is right. I have something in this package. It's a load of money. No, it's not. They were... <laughs> Did you get that and put it in your purse? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> it's a baton on it. It says, Dr. Rodney Navy, run with endurance the race that is set before us, Hebrews 12:1, March 28th. 2021. And sir, it's with humble gratitude that I hand this to you today. I know God has called you for such a time as this, and I'm proud to be your friend and fellow pastor. God bless you. Yes, God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, Donna. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Please be seated. God planted Lawndale and Greensboro in the 50s and has been at work doing his work ever since. I love what he's done over these last 20 and have been blessed by Dr. Joe and PJ and the tremendous amount of work and effort and energy. And I'm humbled uh, and grateful to receive this baton from Dr. Joe. And we are thankful for you and your ministry. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Pass it on. That's it. <clears throat> Once again, on behalf of my family, thank you for our prayers as we're down there with mom. God is blessing us. Church, we love you. Terry has selected the most wonderful song, I believe, that's going to be our closing song for today and probably an announcement after that, but I think it will really bless you. Love you. Good to be with family. A little glimpse of heaven today. Thank you for that. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord turn his face toward Sing with us, please.